that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody, and I'm back. Hope you, uh, I'm sure you missed me since the last time we were on the air last Thursday. I've bought a house. Both Kentucky and Louisville advanced to the Sweet 16. Uh, and there's been some coaching changes in college basketball. So, uh, excuse my absence. Uh, Friday, I guess there was baseball, if I'm not mistaken. And then on Monday, I had to go to Paducah. So that one was on me, not the station. Had to do work for Rolls. It was a nice and nice day trip to and from Paducah. And by nice, I don't mean nice at all. Uh, the people down there are nice. The gym and the and the basketball the worst drives you can make in Kentucky heading down to Western Kentucky. Absolutely nothing to see. A little heads up today. Uh, yes, we are back, but we're not back to our new and normal time, uh, 4 to 5.30. Today we're going to be cut a little bit short at 4.55. Uh, so kind of like back to the old days. Um, but we're going to have Rob Doster on, and I'm excited to have him. He used to be a frequent guest on Trevor's show. Uh, we're going to have him cross over into my show. Uh, excited about that. He, he, does, he does a great job covering college basketball for NBC Sports. So look forward to speaking with him. Trevor, how are you? I'm excellent. Of course, I didn't get to go to Paducah yesterday. Do you know why it was a good day, good trip? Because it was only a one-day trip. Well, I made it a one-day trip, one, because I didn't want to have to pay for a hotel, uh, and two... Well, first, hold just, on, do they have hotels in Paducah, or is it motels? They have hotels. <laughs> they've, they've got nice hotels. I've actually had to... This is the second time in 2015 I've had to go to Paducah, uh, and it's, I guess, the third or fourth time I've been there to cover basketball before... And they do. They have nice hotels. But I, I, I buying a house on Friday. I thought to myself, I'm, I'm not going to pay for a hotel if I can come back, get back till late, maybe two last night. Uh, but I, it would be more worth it than having to spend a hundred and fifteen, hundred and twenty bucks, however much hotels go for I down did, there. I did notice on social network that uh, Mr. Rockefeller, you did uh, sign some paperwork on a new house. Uh, congratulations. Thanks. That was uh, how I spent most of my. Most of my Friday, it's pretty nerve-wracking. Um, the worst part about it is I'm not moved in yet, and there is no move-in date in sight because I'm busy. And this is some of the one of the busier times of the year. Uh, there's a lot of college basketball stuff, or a lot of high school basketball recruiting stuff going on, and that's kind of my niche. That's my title for CatsIllustrated.com. That's what's buying this house is what you're saying. <laughs> Exactly. So I've got a lot of that stuff to do, but also the NCAA tournament, obviously. And I could go cover that, but I, one, I'd rather watch those games on TV. Um, it, you know, covering covering an NCAA tournament game is work, and, and working during the NCAA tournament is not the most. I did it this past weekend for the for UK's first round game, uh, but. So I'm going to be covering UK football spring practice this week. So I'll have to go back and forth to Lexington a few times up and up and down. So this is some of the busiest time of the year, uh, which is good news for for UK fans. Cats Illustrated, not to kind of plug in my own site this early, uh, but I might as well. Uh, tons of content, football recruiting, basketball recruiting, and obviously UK's run to uh, Indianapolis 
And also UK spring practice starts back up after starting and then taking a spring break and then coming back. I thought it was kind of weird to, to do it or go about that schedule, but uh, they, they thought that was fit. So that's what they decided to do. So uh, really four, four things going on. Uh, and obviously the biggest one is March Madness. Cats and Cards. So the Sweet 16, obviously, uh, Kentucky expected to make it there. Louisville expected to make it there, too, uh, when we talked last on Thursday. But then uh, Sunday's matchup with Northern Iowa, the, the Panthers, I think they're the Panthers, actually were favorites heading into that game. And Louisville looked spectacular uh, scoring at will. That's a Louisville offense that we haven't seen in quite some time, Trevor. No, it's it's been uh, and Wayne Blackshear showing up for back to back games is something that I, I didn't think I'd ever see, but apparently he sees the writing on the wall and finally realizes this this is it. This is the the last of it. If you lose, you are officially done. There is no coming back for a, another year unless you're like Jesse Settles, who played like nine years at Iowa. So Louisville, I mean, and Quint Snyder stepping up. I'm not shocked that Louisville made the Sweet Sixteen. I'm a little surprised, maybe. I don't know if that's. An insult to Louisville being the fact that they should be in the Sweet 16 by chalk reasons alone. But I, I, I'm not shocked. I'm just a little surprised, I guess. I'm sure, speaking of, of Blackshear, I'm sure you saw Louisville today on, on Twitter and on Facebook made this little graphic congratulating Wayne Blackshear on being the first player in NCAA basketball history to reach four Sweet 16s. <laughs> that, just, that can't be right if Christian Leitner went to four Final Fours. <laughs> oh, it's a hundred percent inaccurate. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> there are tons. Uh, there are tons of players Who've that have gone to to four Sweet Sixteens. I, I mean, Florida literally just had a run of four, four straight Elite Eights. Eight. Yeah, correct. Yes. So, <laughs> Louisville meant to say is first the first Louisville, Louisville player to yeah. do that, uh, but it was pretty funny, and and I saw a bunch of my friends on Facebook. Mention it, um, and I was a jerk and called him out on it. But uh, Louisville ended up deleting their stuff. Just a, it a little mistake. Surprised me though. This is four, the first time Louisville's gone to four straight Sweet Sixteens. That is a little. I, again, it's much like Louisville being in the Sweet Sixteen. I guess it doesn't shock me, but it does surprise me a little bit. Yeah, it, it's. I guess maybe a little bit surprising, but this is a. good run uh, of of basketball for Louisville, and, and not only have they made it to. Four Sweet Sixteens. They haven't really been an underdog to make it to any of the four Sweet Sixteens. Like obviously a four seed in two thousand. They were a four seed in two thousand eleven, weren't they? Uh, two thousand. Well, do you mean two thousand twelve? Two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve. Yes, yeah. they were a four seed. Yes. Four, and then obviously uh, two thousand thirteen, a one, and then this past last year a four, and this year a four. So it, it's not like any of those runs were completely unexpected once the tournament started. No Cinderella stories. Uh, so it does speak a lot about the, the where Louisville's program is at. Uh, Kentucky has not made it to four straight Sweet 16s because an NIT year kind of breaks up uh, 2010, 2011, 2012 when they went to but, Sweet but 16. But over the program's history, you've been to four straight Sweet 16s. Oh, yeah. yeah That's what I'm, I'm saying. Sure. Louisville with their track record does tell me this is the first time they've gone to four straights. Kind of surprising. I mean – uh, you think about it, go looking back at the tournaments, and it's going on since 1939, and granted, I guess in 39, the Sweet 16 was making the tournament itself since there was only eight teams. It's even beyond that. But I just it just, it just surprised me a little bit to think that Louisville had never been to four straight, and especially when you think to a team that went to three out of four Final Fours 
between 80 and 83. Of course, the one year they didn't make the Final Four, they lost in their first round or second round because of buys that year to U.S. Clark's or U.S. Reed's half-court shot against Arkansas. Yep. Well, uh, they've done it this. They've, they've done it now, and, and it's official. Not only are they in a Sweet 16 this year, they've. I, I wouldn't say that they're the favorites in the East to to make it to the Sweet 16. Not but according I to Vegas. But I, does Vegas have them as the favorites, or no? Are you they have they Michigan State have the favorite, Louisville okay. and, uh, and Oklahoma tied at twelve to five odds. But the thing is, any of those teams, really, any of those four teams to the Final Four, I don't think anybody would be shocked. Maybe NC State would probably be the most surprising, but if you're NC State, you've also if you're any team in the East, you've got to be feeling just uh, elated. You've got to be super excited to be in that situation where you're two wins away and there's not really a team that you're scared of in that region. Now, Louisville lost to NC State at home, uh, but it's NC State. It's a game I think most Louisville fans feel pretty good about. Michigan State, you just beat Virginia. If you can beat Virginia, who else in the region can you not? Who can you know? Who, who, you can beat everybody. Oklahoma is the highest seed remaining, so you know they've got to be feeling pretty good. And then obviously Louisville, they've been there. They, they've been in big games over the past few years. Wayne, uh, they've got a few players that have won a national championship still on their roster. Every team in the East has to be p- feeling pretty good. Where you, you take a trip over to the Midwest, Kentucky's region. Obviously, all the teams are are happy to be there, but if you're West Virginia, Wichita State, or uh, Notre Dame, you've got to you can't be nearly as happy as the teams in the East because Kentucky is there. Uh, but as Kentucky, at the surface, you've got three good teams, but I think you've got to be pretty happy with the way it worked out when you're seeding. The Sweet 16. If you were to reseed all the teams, I don't know if you can put any of those teams in the East in the top, certainly maybe not the top eight. And the guy we're going to have on later, Rob Doss, did reseed the teams, and we'll talk to him about that, about some of his his seedings. But I don't think you could have put, I don't think you could put Notre Dame in your top eight, especially with how they looked in their first two games. Really lucky to make it to the Sweet 16 in both games. Took a come from behind effort in overtime to to beat Butler in the second round. Wichita State has looked good in the tournament, but Indiana's maybe a team that shouldn't even been there. In Kansas, maybe the most overrated uh, team. The the didn't deserve a two seed, uh, and the Big Twelve obviously has choked a bit. In West Virginia, they're a little bit fortunate to be there as well. So, so we'll see. I think if you're a Kentucky fan, you've got to be feeling pretty good. Now, that doesn't mean that any of these teams can't beat UK, and UK was far, far from great in their in the against Cincinnati, and we'll talk about some of those games. Uh, we'll talk certainly about the Cincinnati game, but for now. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to have Rob Doster on NBC Sports. Uh, we'll talk to him about his reseeding the the top 16 seeds, what he thinks about Kentucky and Louisville's matchups this week. And also he he said that West Virginia could cause some, some problems for UK. So we'll ask him about that. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. 
the days on the boulevard I landed. We used to kick routines and the presence was fitting. It was I, the abstract. And me, the five-footer. I kicks the mad style, so step off the frankfurter. Yo, Fife, you remember that routine? That we used to make spiffy like Mr. Clean? Um, um, a tidbit, um, a smidgen. I don't get the message, so you got to <laughs> okay. run the pigeon. You're on point, Fife. All the time, Tip. You're on point, Fife. All the time, Tip. The Sports Talker. Hey, guys. Oh, big golf, son. All right. With T.J. Walker. Well, see you later. On 1450, The Sports Buzz. We're back at 1450, The Sports Buzz. Still love the new intros that Trevor has chopped up for us. I think they sound fantastic. Let's waste no time in, in bringing in our guest, Rob Doster of NBC Sport. And, and Trevor, <clears throat> Rob used to be a regular on Trevor's show, the, the show after mine back on my old time. Uh, but but I, I've listened to you all talk. I've listened to Rob and Trevor get a little back and forth. Uh, and Rob, one time that really comes out that stands out to me listening to you on Trevor's show was the time that you were trying to explain to Trevor that it was Tottenham Spurs and not the Spurs, and he just didn't seem to understand it. It's yeah, it, it was, it's like trying to explain, you know, multiplication tables to a cat, pretty much. And you know, I gotta say, look, I gotta say, I'm not gonna lie, I'm really glad that you know Trevor's not on the air anymore. I think that it's better for the you know the entire Kentuckyana region. Um, I, I can just already feel sports fans' IQs going through the roof. <laughs> you know, you're not Rob. You're not the first person to say that. Uh, it, Trevor is still working the board for me, so he he weighs in every now and then. Uh, Trevor, oh, I know he can there? hear every single word I'm saying. That's the best part of it. <laughs> I, I'm zoning out now. Now I, I, I've turned on the TV. I'm, wa- I'm <laughs> yeah, watching. I'm watching okay. reruns of SBU on USA now. I've, I've quit listening to you guys. So try not to cuss people because I'm not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what we're able to do. Uh, but this is actually the first time, Robin, uh, that we've been able to talk. A uh, big fan of your work for NBC Sports, and uh, let, let's jump right in. I, I saw that you're lying. You, yeah, what are you? I'm lying about. What? <laughs> I was I'm about lying. to say the same thing, man. You're making that up. You don't mean that. <laughs> I do mean that. I do. I, I, when Trevor thought about getting you on my show, I was happy about it. It was the best thing. It was one of the better things Trevor's ever done. But that is a very short list, as you could probably yeah, imagine. Yeah, I was going to say, it might be the is it the only thing that he's ever done for you? <laughs> it, it, I would say so. I would. It's right up there. Uh, but you went on a, a, a bit as a of a rant, as you called it, about Virginia head coach Tony Bennett winning the Coach of the Year, voted on by certain media members. Obviously, it was ridiculous, but what was the premise of, of your argument that John Calipari should have won? It, it's, is it as clear as just being 36-0 and 0 at this point? I mean, yeah, but it's not just that. You know, even if they weren't undefeated, I would still think that um, he deserves the award simply because, you know, I, I, I don't think people understand the difficulty in convincing a bunch of guys who have spent their entire careers to this point, basically being, you know, the guy, being the star, being the guy that gets all the shots, you know, having their eyes set on the NBA and convincing them that, you know what, hey, look, you're not going to be a star on this team. You're going to play a role. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, if he went 
to any other school in the country would be in that same conversation with Frank Kaminsky and Julia Okafor when it comes to National Player of the Year. And, you know, Devin Booker, if he went to, you know, if he went, ended up at Missouri, he'd be averaging like 22 points a game this season. So he's gotten, Kyle's gotten all these guys and convinced them to buy into the idea that that sacrificing and accepting a role is for the greater good of the Kentucky program, the Kentucky team, and for them, and that it's not an easy thing to do in a day and age where all we do is criticize, you know, college basketball stars and college basketball prospects for being selfish. And I don't think that people really kind of comprehend just how difficult that is. And, you know, I, I get that that the argument that it's always oh, only a recruiter. Um, I, I understand why people might say that, but, uh, you know, people that do say that and don't understand what he's been able to do to convince his team to buy in to what uh, he wants them to do, like, it just, it, it boggles my mind that people don't understand that. And, 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 that, and this is to take nothing away from Tony Benton, you know. He, he had a fantastic season. He's a fantastic coach. If I was starting a program right now, there probably aren't, Five to, he's among the five to ten best coaches in the country. And they had a phenomenal season. They won the ACC outright. If Justin Anderson doesn't uh, break a finger on his hand, you know, they, they're they probably still in the NCAA tournament right now. We're talking about them as one of the teams that can beat Kentucky in the, in the title game. And so he was great, but John Calipari was better. And back, we had Yates and I, and I know you remember Yates, Rob. We had this conversation... <laughs> maybe two months ago, a month and a half ago, where if, and this is when Kentucky was undefeated, and I guess maybe Virginia had a loss or two, but we, we talked about how if Tony Bennett went undefeated and UK and John Calipari went undefeated, then yeah, maybe you do give Tony Bennett the, the Coach of the Year award uh, because it might be a little bit tougher. It certainly probably would be a little bit tougher to go undefeated at Virginia than it would be. It's it's so hard not to lose a game, as we've seen from so many great teams this season, and we've seen so many close calls from Kentucky. It's just so hard to be able to find a way to win uh, night in and night out. And I know Kentucky and the SEC wasn't playing uh, any teams that would compete for, uh, as we have it now, a Sweet 16, uh, but still tough road environments, and then they played some solid teams, and John Calipari able to win. The thing that jumps out at me, though, with this award that, that media members vote on, Coach K has never won it. Billy Donovan has never won it. Rick Pitino has never won it. Jim Calhoun at UConn has never won it. What What is with this award, and who are these guys voting on it? I mean, what it basically comes down to is they're voting on who outperforms expectations more than anything. And when your expectations are to be great consistently, the same like Jim Calhoun was always expected to be a top-10 team. If he wasn't a top-10 team, then he did a bad job coaching you know, Coach K is always expected to be a top ten team. If he's not a top ten team, he's a bad job coaching that year. So, you know, that's what it kind of turns into is that who took what they had and got the most out of it is basically what the coach of the year award is. And um for for a lot of situations that might be true. You know, they like take a look at what Archie Miller did with Dayton this year. You know, he, he probably deserves to be at least in the conversation for um, coach of the year in the Atlantic 10. Same thing with Bob McKillop, who won the Atlantic 10 outright in his first year in the conference with uh, with Davidson. So, like, I understand how that's part of the argument, but when your expectations are to go 40-0 and and you live up to the expectation by, he hasn't done it yet, but, I mean, by going 34-0 and entering the NCAA tournament, you know, that's almost as hard to do as what 
Archie Miller did a Dayton. So I, I just I don't I don't understand that way of thinking necessarily. I I, I get why. Let me rephrase that. I I get why some people vote that way. I just don't understand how you can't accept the fact that you know living up to expectations is very very difficult to do when you're supposed to be the best. And, and I don't even I don't think UK's realistic expectations were to go undefeated. Now there was talk about it two years ago, and obviously UK fans are, are crazy, so some of them are obviously going to to bring that up. But realistically, I, I thought the forty you know got put to bed last year when UK lost their first, their second game of the season, I guess to Michigan State, was it, up there in Chicago. Uh, it's not, it's really, it should never be the expectation to go undefeated because of how difficult it is. But I understand your point of understanding the voters wanting to to vote on who, who achieved the most or who overachieved the most. But at the end of the day, when you're voting on an award that's called Coach of the Year, to me, you have to sit down and think, what coach had the best year? What coach did the best job? And if you didn't lose a game, how could anybody do a better job than you? I, I don't I don't understand. Rick Pitino said as much uh, in his press conference today. So uh, me, and old, me and old Pitino agreeing with one another. Let's switch gears a little bit here. You re-ranked the 16 teams in the Sweet 16, had Kentucky number one, Arizona, Wisconsin, Duke, number uh, two through four. That's obviously easy enough to have those teams one through four. What I was a little bit surprised about is you had nobody else in the Midwest region in the top ten. Uh, you, you had you had Notre Dame right at number ten now that I'm seeing it. Uh, but you had Wichita State, number 13, and West Virginia, number 15. Uh, to me, this says you don't think the Mountaineers have a chance to knock off Kentucky. Well, yeah. You know, it's funny is I actually think they do. Um, just because of the way that they play, I think, you know, has a chance to kind of mess with Kentucky. I just think it's a good matchup. You know, I don't think the Harrison Twins are all that good at handling the ball. Ty Jones is kind of a smaller point guard, which can be a little bit difficult when you're going up against the press like that. Um, and I think that West Virginia, there's three things that they have. One, they have the depth to go up and, and match up with Kentucky, like they're not going to get worn down by, by the Wildcats. If anything, they're going to be able to wear down Kentucky with the way that they play. I think they have the, the size and the physicality and the athleticism inside to not get worn down by Kentucky. And the third thing is, and most importantly, is that I don't think that West Virginia is going to be intimidated at all. Like, I think half the battle when you're playing Kentucky is not being, you know, overwhelmed by the fact that it's quote-unquote Kentucky that you're playing. And I think that uh, the guys on that roster, on that West Virginia roster, Bobby Huggins is never going to get pushed around by anybody. And I think that we can all agree on that. Whether No matter how you feel about him as a coach, as a person, or whatever, he's never going to get pushed around, and the teams are never going to get pushed around. And I think that that is half the battle when you're playing Kentucky. And one, I think you, you said Tyus Jones when talking about Tyler Ulis, a, a slip up, both small guards. But <clears throat> a did few, I say Tyus Jones? You did say Tyus Jones, but that's okay. <laughs> we we yeah, knew who you meant. But um, it's. I blame I'm not, Trevor, man. Come on. God. I, You're right. Trevor. I'm, not, I'm not Trevor, so I'm not going to be a jerk. But what makes you think that the Harrisons aren't great <laughs> ball handlers? What game can you point back to this season and say, oh, man, they coughed it? Under pressure. Look when look when Arkansas pressured them. Look when Louisville got in their face. I, I maybe last year that'd be the case, but and maybe you have a case with Aaron Harrison. But Andrew Harrison's been very solid with the ball this season. 
Yeah, and, and well, Aaron Harrison is a, is a shooting guard. I just don't think that in general um, he's a guy you want handling the ball against pressure. And that's not because he's not good at it. It's just not his position. And as far as Andrew Harrison is concerned, I don't think he's a great decision maker. I think that he can get frustrated if he is being pressured and, and being what he thinks is foul. Because West Virginia is one of these teams where they can call a foul on you every possession. And I don't know if, and, and they kind of bank on the fact that referees are not going to call fouls on every possession. You know, other teams do it too, like VCU's that same kind of way. And, you know, Louisville did that for a couple of years. And I, I think even to a point, you know, Kentucky does that as well, just with some of the, how physical they are defensively. Like, everybody does that. But I think West Virginia does it to a point where, you know, they can frustrate people if the fouls aren't getting called and, like, hand checks and bumps and all that stuff isn't getting called. And I think that Andrew Harrison is the kind of guy that there's a kind of player where that can really start to bother him a little bit. And I think that can get into his head. You know, he's not a guy that can have a bad half in the first half and come back and have a great half in the second half. I think he's a guy that, you know, he's either going to have a great game or a poor game. And if it gets into his head, you know, I think he can get a little overwhelmed by it. And I also don't think, you know, he's quick enough where he's going to be able to beat those traps off the dribble. Like, the one thing about Tyler Eulis is he's small, so we might not be able to see over the top of, of those traps, but I think he's quick enough where he can dribble out of the situation, whereas I don't think that Andrew Harrison can. So, you know, it, it's just it, – it, and, and to your point about Arkansas, I think that this is a different kind of press than what Arkansas brings you. Like, this season, Arkansas has been doing more like 15 to 18 minutes of hell than a pure 40 minutes of hell. Whereas West Virginia is always going to be pressing and trapping. They're going to press and trap off of missed shots. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Kentucky is able to handle that. It, it, it'll be fun to watch. And I also, and, and maybe it's just going back to 2010, but I also think Bob, Bob Huggins will have something up his sleeve. He'll, have, he'll, he'll do something that we're not talking about right now and something we'll talk about next week as, as being a bit as, of a surprise. He obviously knows Kentucky is... is more talented one through five and, and even going into the bench than his team. Uh, and he's got to figure something out to maybe make that game interesting. Do you still buy into the theory that to beat Kentucky, you have to be incredibly physical at them? Because now we're starting to get a, a larger sample size of teams doing that. And it may work for 25, 30 minutes, but it still results in a blowout. We saw Cincinnati do that. We saw Arkansas try to do that twice. Uh, and even, I guess you could even say Florida played that way uh, two consecutive games and, and three if you count the game at Florida. Is that still the blueprint, or uh, I'm starting to lean that you've, you've got to hit shots to beat them, and we're, and we're talking with Rob Doster of NBC Sports. But I don't know if physical play is, is the one thing you've got to do to, to beat UK. I think that you have to be able to play physical. Like You can't get overwhelmed or pushed around or anything like that and expect to win. It's just not going to work when you play against a team with that kind of front line. Uh, I personally, I don't think that's the way to do it. The way that I think you, you, I think you have to do three things to beat Kentucky. You have to be able to keep them off of the offensive glass because they're, you know, as we all know, there's times where their best offense is going to get a missed shot. Uh, you have to be able to run enough offense where you can kind of get their defense moving around a little bit. If you're the kind of team that relies basically on, like, isolations and, and you know, just attacking the closeout and stuff like that, I don't think that you can beat that defense. Because what they want you to do is try to go one-on-one from the perimeter and score over their post and side, which is not going to happen. You can't, can't do it. You can't beat them like that. 
Um, so I think you have to be able to run offense, get good shots, and get the, the defense moving around a little bit. And I think you have also have to be able to invert your offense so you can bring big guys out. So you can have, you know, like a Frank Kaminsky knocking down jump shots or, or you know, a Kyle Wiltshire stepping out and pulling uh, Carl Towns or Willie Collison, whoever it is, away from the basket and be able to shoot over the top of them. That, that's what I think you need to be able to do. I don't think that you can try to out Kentucky, Kentucky. That's why, you know, I think that eventually we saw with Cincinnati. Really, you know, Cincinnati did basically did everything that Kentucky does in that game, and hung with them for a little bit, but they just kind of got overwhelmed eventually because you can't out Kentucky, Kentucky. I I agree with pretty much everything you said there, and and I do think you have to have bigs that can stretch the floor. I think you've got to be a team full of shooters. I think you've got to have at least three guys on the floor at any time that can consistently knock down threes. You'd be better off, obviously, if you had four. Uh, and you could you could really have an interesting matchup. I don't think West Virginia is the team that's going to be able to do it, but I think you could have an interesting matchup with Wichita State or Notre Dame and the Elite Eight. But then again, those teams don't have size. It, it really has to be the perfect. Uh, it's got to be the perfect. Yeah, that's game. the thing. I don't. I don't think either of them will be able to keep. Kentucky off of the offensive glass, and that's almost as important as being able to shoot over the top of their defense. So, you know, I I, I don't see uh, North, I'm sorry, I don't see Notre Dame being able to beat them. I don't see Wichita State being able to beat them. The one thing, like I said, there's two things that West Virginia can do that really have a chance to to keep them in this game is they can force turnovers and get easy buckets that way. And the other thing that no one's really pointed out is that this is going to be the best offensive rebounding team that. West Virginia has faced, or I'm sorry, that Kentucky has faced this season. And, you know, Kentucky is not a great defensive rebounding team. I think they get they give up uh, offensive rebounds on like 32% of the missed shots that their opponents have, which is not very good. It's like 190th in the country. And it's basically the only thing that they don't do well on the, off- or on the defensive end of the floor. And I feel part of the reason for that is because they – Help, they help over on block shots, and you'll have two seven-footers try to block the same shot, which is silly to do, but it's easier said than done to try to get them not to chase shots. Cincinnati with 21 offensive rebounds against Kentucky, out-rebounded the Cats 45-38. That's something certainly to look out for in that game on Thursday night. Before we let you go, we've, we've got to obviously talk Louisville. Uh, you had them ranked 12th in your re-rankings and also the last-ranked team in the East, uh, so it, it, I guess I'm assuming you don't have Louisville in Indianapolis next week. No, I don't. I, and honestly, I think that they end up losing to uh, NC State. You know, I I have NC State as I want to say like a top 15-ish team if we're talking about talent in the country. I, I just I think people overlook just how many good basketball players are on that roster. I mean, uh, between Cat Barber and Trevor Lacey, Ralston Turner's ability to shoot. You know, their big guys are big and athletic and play hard. And so I, I think that that is a very, very good basketball team that just, like, it doesn't make any sense how they don't show up on certain nights. You know, I, if you look at what they did in the first 30 minutes of that game against LSU and then what they did in the game against Villanova, it is like, it, it's like two, basically two different basketball teams. So if they show up and NC State shows up ready to play, then they'll beat Louisville. I, I, I don't. I don't I don't doubt that. I think that, you know, Louisville kind of got a little bit lucky with their draw. You know, they beat UC Irvine, and, and everyone's talking about how good Northern Iowa was, but you got to remember that's the second-place team coming out of the Missouri Valley Conference. So I, I just, you know, it, 
it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but I think that NC State is the better basketball team. It, I don't disagree with you. We saw NC State go into the Yum Center and, and beat Louisville by nine and really didn't. That game was over with at least five minutes. I mean, NC State really took it to Louisville. But does it not concern you at all with Godfrey having to go against Rick Patino with giving Rick Patino oh, a week to prepare? Absolutely. That, that, that would be the one thing that jumps out at me is maybe NC State can't win this game. And Rick Pitino was undefeated in the Sweet 16 up until last year when, when Kentucky, which had obviously uh, was hitting their stride, knocked them out, luckily knocked them out. Uh, Rick Pitino's great in this round. He is fantastic in this round. That's what worries me in this NC State-Louisville game if, I, if I'm a Wolfpack fan. Yeah, you know, you never want to face Rick Pitino when he's had five days to prepare for a game. Um, he is as good as anybody in the country when it comes to putting together a game plan and finding a way to beat a team. It's just that, to me, you know, I think that with who they lost and how they play and and not having Chris Jones on the roster, it's just, it's basically a two-man basketball team. Um, And I think that, like I said, I think NC State is just much, much more talented when it comes to who they have on the roster. But again, you know, it all depends on which NC State shows up. They shouldn't even be here. Like, we shouldn't even be having this conversation about them because they should have lost to LSU. LSU gave that game to NC State, and I think that, you know, if, uh, if, if the Wolfpack plays the way that they did in the first 30 minutes against LSU, then they're going to lose by 20. You know, it, it's very possible. But, you know, I, you watch NC State play and you see all the good that they can do, and it, it's hard not to remember that when, you know, they're, they're sitting here after beating Villanova. Pretty solidly, too. That was a pretty convincing win. It was, and on the flip side, maybe Louisville's a, a slight, you know, kind of lucky to get here. It, it took a, a late foul against uh, UC Irvine to to be able to pull out that game. So it's crazy that we're talking about this. Rob, how'd you how'd you like your your first fourteen fifty sports buzz appearance without uh, Trevor yapping your ear off? It was uh, it was it was much better. I'm not gonna lie. It was, it was <laughs> much improved. It's nice to finally have a professional to talk to on fourteen fifty the sports buzz. <laughs> but we need Trevor. We need to use that for uh, for a clip. I think that would that would make for a great clip. But Rob Dosser, NBC Sports. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the games this weekend. It should be fun, and hopefully we can talk about the Final Four this time next week. Yeah, definitely. Can I just say one more thing? I, I'm I'm glad that Trevor is still at the uh, radio station though, because he has a tendency to curse on air. So now it's kind of like he doesn't. He's not going to be doing it live at this point. That's that, that you know. There, there's part of the reason why he's working the board now, and it, it's it's kind of scary <laughs> knowing that he's he's now in charge of making sure we don't curse. So, uh, which is terrifying. Yeah, exactly. There could be fines heading our way. But thanks a lot, Rob. And uh, again, enjoy the games this weekend. <laughs> Take care, man. See you later, Trevor. <laughs> later, Rob. <laughs> and that's Rob Doster, NBC Sports. You can follow him at Rob Doster. Simple as that. Uh, did. Uh, fun talking to him, and, and he obviously knows his stuff. And Trevor, when you're not getting on his nerves or saying silly things, he can kind of get in a little rhythm there. Yeah, when, I, when I'm not annoying him and, and saying dumb things that make him aggravated. Yeah, he can be a very smart, uh, smart guest. I, did, I, I was kind of shocked. I thought y'all were going to make fun of me a little more. I was kind of surprised. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised, by the way. Oh, no, Trevor, you're you're the cornerstone there at 1450 The Sports Buzz. So, uh that's one, yeah. that's one <laughs> teetering Jenga board, I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we need to head to our last commercial break because it's going to be a shortened show today. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back.
fist to five foot assassin with the roughneck business. I float like gravity, never had a cavity. Got more rhymes than the one that's got family. No need to sweat, I send the yokes to gain some type of fame. No shame in my game, cause I always be the same. DJ Fat Michael! Yo! Squirrely D! Oh yeah! Will you please play my dance for a dance challenge? Yes, can do, my brother. So let me tell you a little lesson, buddy. The cream always rises to the top. And I'm about to show you the white hot cream of an 8th grade boy. Oh my god. Play the tape. You gotta be kidding me. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. It's like a ballet. I know, but how do you remember all that choreography, man? It was like 20 years ago. I don't know. It was beautiful, man. On 1450, the Sports Buzz. That was fantastic, Trevor. That was just round of applause. That was, that was great. I was cracking up listening to that. Trevor texted me yesterday wanting to know some movies and shows that I liked because he wanted to do some more intros back from breaks and uh, that was the first time I've heard that one and that was just well done I can't go wrong with good old Charlie especially from the first four or five seasons of Sunny like I told you earlier I haven't watched the new ones I'll start catching up on them and but I, I could pull months and months of sound bites from from always Sunny first four or five seasons that was Oh, that was, that was a great episode, by the way. The dance off. Do you remember that episode? I do. I remember it exactly. Uh, when they they he, put their bar for sale, don't they? He puts it up for. He thinks he's bringing a promotional event, and it's the uh, bars at stake, and uh, they try to all beat each other out to win the bar. And I think it's D who makes drug filled brownies, and Charlie eats them and gives them my favorite lines of all time. Dude, I can handle my sedatives. He just keeps <laughs> dancing. And he does. He's like sitting there drooling all over himself, almost dead on his feet, dancing, doing like something called like a judo chop or something like that. Oh, it's uh, it is a great episode. This season of of Always Sunny has been fantastic. Uh, I know you haven't been watching, but <clears throat> it has been great. Um, anyways, we don't have a ton of time on the show left today. Uh, we'll be back to our regular times the rest of the week, assuming that I don't have to do some, some work here and there. Uh, and we had Rob Doster on in the second segment. If you weren't able to hear that, you're probably going to, want to go back and listen on the podcast because a lot of good UK talk and then Louisville talk at the end. One thing that stood out and I meant to ask him, uh, but I didn't get a chance. Uh, he, he mentioned, and I, and I've heard a lot of people mention this and in, including that goofball Shane Battier on ESPN that West Virginia is not going to be intimidated. And, and I, I talked about this maybe a few weeks ago, but what team full of 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old guys playing a sport are going to be intimidated? That just doesn't happen. Of course, West Virginia is not going to be intimidated, but neither was Cincinnati. And Hampton probably wasn't intimidated. They probably knew they weren't going to win, but it's not like they went out there scared to get hurt or afraid of what might happen over the next 40 minutes. Teams don't get intimidated. This isn't war. This isn't 1,400 Crusaders. It's basketball. Teams don't get intimidated. So, of course, West Virginia is not going to get intimidated. Now, I think maybe his point that they're not going to back down from a challenge, okay, I agree with that probably. I agree with that. But most teams aren't, if it's a close game at least. 
And I know how Bob Huggins runs his team. These players are mentally tough. I think if Kentucky's playing really well, they they can blow them out because if Kentucky's playing really well, they can blow out anybody in the country. But I don't really find West Virginia as a team that's going to give up, uh, quit during the second half. It's going to be a fight until the final whistle. And I think that's what he was trying to say. But I, it kind of bugs me when people say that teams can aren't going to be intimidated because that's Trevor. It's not like you going on a date. You're not going to be. You don't get intimidated playing a sport that you love. Well, she might be intimidated going on a date with me. I mean, that's understandable how she would be overwhelmed by the shock that I would say yes to spending an evening with her. But I think I think the point that he's trying to make is that some, like you said, Hampton and Cincinnati kind of came in, and I know a lot of UK fans I, use the over overly easily tagged thug label with them, which I think is ridiculous. People just hand that out like candy to call it Halloween sometimes, and and I think they did that because Cincinnati came in and was wasn't intimidated. I think Kentucky at thirty five and 0, whatever the hell they are at this point, you know, people almost. They look unbeatable, and, and and I think he's trying to say that West Virginia doesn't look at them as unbeatable like everyone else does. They're not going to just roll over for them. They're going to they're going to fight them, and they're going to give them their best fight. They may come up I, short, and they probably will. Just dis- but they're going to do I it. Just, I just I, I just disagree with that notion that teams think they're unbeatable. They Cincinnati didn't cave because well, they teams got teams might not, but the the national perspective of them is yeah and i agree with that but you know who cares cincinnati might have caved late in that game but they didn't cave because they got intimidated or feared uk or realized that they couldn't be beat they caved because they're just a a worse off team they just didn't have enough talent they didn't have enough talent they didn't have they didn't have the legs they didn't have the pieces they didn't have the scoring they weren't good enough And, and the good news for uk is there's probably not a lot of teams that are good enough west virginia is not good enough but that doesn't mean it can't happen uh i i so Bob Huggins will have his team ready, but Kentucky's the better team, and, and, and that's just that. West Virginia's not going to come in scared. Uh, they're not going to you know, pee their pants if things don't go their way in the first five minutes because nobody does that. And you but got to Kentucky in 2010 was a much better team than West Virginia, even though it was a one versus two, and West Virginia was able to, to, to make the, the hiccups in their, in their design and in their, in their game plan to, to beat Kentucky and go to the Final Four in that game. Sure, and you're right about that, and that was an amazing coaching job by Bob Huggins in that game. Uh, but this is a, this is a different story, and we'll talk about more more on the week. But this is a different story because this Kentucky team doesn't have a glaring weakness like that 2010 team, and obviously everybody knows it. That 2010 team was not a good outside shooting team. When your best shooter is Donnell Dotson, uh, that's how you could be beat. And before the game, Bob Huggins said, I'm going to make them shoot as many threes as uh, they've ever shot in a season, and he did that. And Kentucky didn't hit. It was the perfect storm. It was the a perfect recipe to defeat that 2010 team. It was in a football stadium. It's harder to shoot there, uh, so they were able to to find a way. Well, on this team, that team's that was that team's biggest Achilles heel. That's probably, I mean, and this team's a much better three point shooting team, but it's still the outside shooting can still be the Achilles heel for this team. You saw it in the Cincinnati game when when Booker is not on fire or or Aaron is not hitting his shots. When those two are cold, Kentucky can be a, an average offensive team if you can take Towns out of the mix. Well, here's the thing. Problem is uh, they score so many points off their transition defense, steals, I blocks. I don't disagree with you. It's okay. So West Virginia, if you want to slow it down and limit UK's points, then you can't play that style of play that you've been playing all year. True. And it's weird that Bob Huggins is playing that style because he doesn't normally do it. And I think he'd have a better chance not playing it against UK. But what, are you going to flip the switch just like that? And then if you want to get in a half court set with UK, West Virginia's offense is terrible. So they've got to run to be able to score some points. So it'll be interesting. But we've got to get out of here, don't we, Trevor? 
Yeah, we got. I was about to. I was about to tell you. We got about uh, about ninety seconds to two minutes. We're going out okay. right at the top of the hour. All right, so we got a, a little bit more time, so we can get right to a little Indiana and Louisville baseball. Uh, speaking of uh, Indiana, I did. I did meet Tom Crean last night down in Paducah. He was wow. sitting right behind me, um, and I just gotten off the phone with Rab Johns, who writes for Indiana's website. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just and I told him that Crean was right behind me, and he, you know. Uh, but anyways, so I, I said, "Hey, Tom, how are you?" And really, really, really nice guy. Uh, nice guy. Maybe recruiting for his job, which was, you know, obviously I didn't say that to him. Did you look uh, up and say, "Are you here for IU or Alabama?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and a guy wearing an Alabama shirt did go over and say hi to him as well. So uh, Alabama supposedly interested in Greg Marshall after Wichita State season comes to an end. And Greg Marshall, if I'm not mistaken, I, I haven't seen this. I, I glanced over it, but supposedly he said uh, in a press conference maybe today that, hey, if Alabama wants to throw me a ton of money, then I'll consider it, which is very honest. You don't see as much honesty from coaches anymore, uh, which is is good to see. But could the, be a shock of smart move, though, just playing the, uh, the, 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 the race from Wichita State and using Alabama as, as a uh, toy. It could. It could be. He, uh, Greg Marshall turned down Tennessee last year, and I think the Tennessee basketball job is certainly better than the Alabama one. Ben Howland to Mississippi State, I think that's a good hire for the Bulldogs. I wouldn't have gotten rid of Rick Ray when you did. Makes you kind of look like a, a nasty program, but whatever. Poor, poor Ben Howland goes from Pittsburgh to L.A. to now Starksville. Yeah, and now the Arizona State job opens up, so he could have possibly been in Tempe, Arizona, which would have been nice. Suppo- Happy birthday. Real quick, I, I was going to tell you, I was talking to Rob earlier, supposedly uh, he hasn't signed paperwork with the Mississippi State officially, so Arizona oh, State would- could still be up there, even though I think Jeff Capel seems to be the name that they're looking at hiring. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do that. I don't think he'd do that, but um, happy birthday to my mother, who is turning an age. She probably wouldn't want me to say on the radio, but it's not that old at all. Uh, so happy birthday to her. Love you. Can, can she get a senior coffee at McDonald's? Not yet. Okay, so, well, let's go. Wow. All good, all good news for her. Uh, anyways, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow, normal time. Thanks, Rob Doster, coming on. Trevor, as always, thanks. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. 1450 the sports bus.